You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. You are with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. We've got a mixed bag of things to talk about today, from shoes to workouts to oversights. Uh, there's a whole there's a whole to-do list, and we're going to bring it to you all. So, uh, a quick intro. I'm Grant Goldberg. I ho- co-host the Locked On Seahawks podcast and do social media work for Silver Screen and Roll, SB Nation's Lakers site. And we have Spike Friedman with us, as always. He writes with The Stranger, and he writes about basically whatever he wants and the Seahawks. <laughs> yup, sure do. Whatever I want. Anything. Just punters. Only. <laughs> you know, I-, I was going to say, it's been such a long time since we've talked about punters or Michael Dixon on the show. Um, there hasn't been anything really no- noteworthy other than his just legendary existence. Uh, we're full of anticipation for, for Michael Dixon's debut season with the Seahawks. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I, I don't think we're going to see such a display of punting. I, I think it's going to be a never-before-seen display of punting uh, this year in the NFL. And mostly it's going to be due to Michael Dixon. Um... But yeah, we we have a little bit to talk about today. We have some Earl Thomas news, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson and Earl Thomas news. Uh, so we'll uh, get right started if you if you don't mind, Spike. I'll talk about Earl Thomas first. Um, yeah, please, please talk about Earl Thomas. Yeah, so the, I think it was the Athletic that uh, someone came out and said that a, an unnamed Dallas official said that Seattle's not giving Earl Thomas away and Dallas isn't going to overpay, which, you know, is pretty vanilla. I mean, no one expects the, the Seahawks just to, you know, give him away for a cheap return. And, and you know, I'm not going to overplay Earl Thomas's injury concerns because he came back last year and he was relatively healthy and he, he still had all-pro form. So, you know, but, you know, a team like Dallas could be wary of that, especially with Earl, Com- Earl Thomas's contract situation. So, now I wouldn't expect an overpay in that in in that situation either but spike you know what do you think you know first i'm going to ask you what do you think would be the ideal package for the seahawks if they were to give earl thomas to the cowboys uh i at this point given that we're in a situation where earl is posting publicly either trade me or extend me if the seahawks are not negotiating with him in good faith, if they're not offering him something like the Eric Berry deal, which, you know, you can look at that deal and, like, again, I think Earl Thomas is worth it. That deal is not working out for Kansas City with Eric Berry because of injury. Similarly, obviously, the Cam Chancellor deal is hamstringing the Seahawks in a bunch of different ways because of injury. Football is brutal. When you're in your late 20s, early 30s, a big contract can come back to bite you. So there are reasons why the Seahawks aren't offering that contract, but if they're not offering a legitimate contract to Earl Thomas and he's saying trade me or extend me the Seahawks leverage with the Cowboys is not great now if they're putting a big contract on the table and Earl is hemming and hawing then they can go to the Cowboys and talk late first rounder I mean there's no way to guarantee picks like in basketball like because that's the real thing is like if 
Earl Thomas was a legitimate shot to re-sign with the Seahawks. What you would want to do from the Cowboys is something like is like a basketball deal where you basically get a lottery protected first or two seconds, you know, something like that. Um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get that type of return. I think realistically, God, and it doesn't feel like enough, but it's like a second and a fourth. Yeah. feels like what they'd get realistically i feel like a second on its own isn't quite enough i don't know if they could get a second and a third maybe they could if the third was the following year something along those lines um but just realistically if they if the cowboys don't have a reason to think that earl thomas could resign and therefore you know he goes off the market then I don't see why they would offer more than a second rounder. There's no way that there's a first rounder coming back to Seattle. And, and even a second rounder would be tough to get. So it's it's a bummer. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I'm not even sure that we get a second rounder. If, if there's a trade, obviously, we get a second rounder. Um, I, I think as the season you know comes closer, the Seahawks may feel more pressure to get a deal done. And you know that will cause them to you know take a lesser return than maybe... Earl Thomas is worth, and I don't think that you know in any superstar trade you get you know a, a perfect return for your player, and so yeah I, I just like you said we're at the point of Earl Thomas you know publicly you know doubling down on him saying you know he wants to be there but if they're if you know they're gonna trade him if they're not gonna resign him just trade him, and so like I I like it's either just do it or don't do it. You offer him the deal. I think he deserves the deal. Uh, it's it's on the Seahawks to you know to be good to their players and and you know recognize the work that he's put in throughout his whole career and you know off you know off of that he deserves some money. But you know just the fact that he's maintained the stellar level of play. He also deserves the contract, so I, I I think that they should do it. You know, if not, then you know, hurry up on a deal before they before they get a return that you know is really not worth you know trading Earl Thomas. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like I don't think the Seahawks can move him for a third rounder. I don't think it's worth it, and I don't think they can get it. I, I I don't see this happening for anything other than a second rounder from either side. You know what I mean? Like. I, like the Seahawks just it's just not enough to get a third rounder and the Cowboys aren't going to give up a first rounder given where they ended up picking this year and given that the risk especially with the Eagles in their division and the quality of the NFC overall the risk that if Dak Prescott doesn't have an excellent year they could easily miss out in the playoffs and that first rounder becomes like a tw- the 12th overall pick which is incredibly valuable so because if we're talking about the 12th overall pick you know like at this point given everything that's happened I still don't like it but like you gotta you gotta make that deal if you're Seattle so there's no way that Dallas is going to put themselves in that situation uh, which is why I think you extend Earl is because like I don't think you're going to get a return that's worth it otherwise but you know not everyone agrees with me in this world, and that's that's a bummer for apparently, me. Apparently, to to some listeners, <laughs> we agree too much. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think if if the Seahawks give them that extension, it'll be worth it for them. Uh, especially, you know, I think obviously with with time, his his play will start to you know dwindle down. He'll start to regress to the mean average of the safety play. But you know, if any, if the last 
a uh, few years of his career have been any indication. You know, Earl Thomas is not slowing down anytime soon. You know, he plays you know high impact uh, position. He's always you know running all the way across the field. You know, he's making tackles in the box. Uh, it's it's crazy to to think that you know Earl Thomas is getting older but still playing the same way. And so you'd have to think maybe that you know starts to slow down soon. But you know, I, I think you know it, it's justified to give him that extension. And you know. If they do it, I don't think they're going to be kicking themselves a couple years from now. Yeah, I agree. And, and, the, I agree. and that's kind of bold saying that because you know they gave Cam Chancellor that that extension, and they they're certainly kicking themselves because they're going to have to pay a lot of money just to keep him on the roster, even though he can't play. Yeah, you, I'm, I don't know. man. We just got to sign him. Yeah. Just pay the man. That's that's to me the overwhelming like solution to this. Okay, but you know enough on that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but before then, we want to come to you with a new sponsorship. Uh, Core Belts is you know is kind of a new a new kind of belt. They have a great idea, and they they'll be the best belt that you own. They they have a track. They don't have any belt holes, and so you know each track is a quarter inch apart, so it's very adjustable. They can you know you can attach. You can adjust it to make it match your waist size exactly. Uh, it's ex- it's really simple to adjust the track. Just pinch a small tab under the buckle. Uh, they you know have very you know customizable belts. You can swap some some buckles and 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 styles of belts. And you know they have a one size fit all to every waist, twenty four to forty four inches, with an XL option that goes up to fifty four inches. No. Yeah. Lots of sizes, so many sizes, but uh, yeah, you, you're not you're not gonna have to worry about you know if your pants still fit you even with a belt. So, and the great thing about Core is that they have a 30 day money back guarantee and a full, Whoa! hold on and a full one year warranty against Whoa! all all defects, unusual wear and breakage. So you can feel confident in any purchase you have with them. And so, you know, we have a special offer for you, the listener. You can save 10% off your your order when you use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. So use the code LOCKEDON to get 10% off of your core belt. I I, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good deal. You can go to core with a K, coreessentials.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 10% off your order. We are back with the second portion of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. You are still with Grant and Spike, and you know we we last left you on the topic of Earl Thomas and his holdout. But uh, you know it's the off season, and you know players go you know every which way to work out, and so Earl Thomas was at UCLA working out, and uh, someone else was at UCLA working out. You know who was working out at UCLA, Spike? Was it me? It wasn't you. What? Who was it? It was Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks hey, quarterback. He's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big uh, – hey, guys, uh, look, I'll break it here. I'm about to attend UCLA for graduate school pretty soon. What? So, <laughs> So I should be – I could be tracking them. I could be doing – you know, working out with Earl. I saw those workouts on Instagram. I bet I could do all of those. <laughs> Just on a, on a on a very small scale. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not 
how big you go, it's that you show up. It's that's yeah, what exactly. I always say. And and I'm always of the mindset that you know low weight, high rep is always good. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Or no weight, or no weight, high rep. Or no weight, no rep. And yeah. You just watch him work out. Yeah. You just hang out. You just hang out. You get a. You go down to the little Panda Express in the food court with Russell Wilson. Get some orange chicken. Just chill. Yeah. Why yeah. not? You know, that that's a good, that's a good idea. I think that you should definitely pursue that. Uh, yeah, just like a little modified version of the workout where you just don't <laughs> work out at all and eat orange chicken, hang out with a professional football quarterback. I think that's a pretty good idea. Thank um, you. But it, it's funny. I thought it was funny to me that uh, you can see on on their pictures that they took, they are standing on opposite sides of the field. You know, I'd assume that they you know went and said hi and hung out and like. Yeah, at least worked out a little bit together, but you know, just for the picture's sake, it's hilarious that they're just. And I think it's kind of ironic that they're on opposite sides of the field. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, good to see them working out. Good to see uh, them staying in shape throughout the off season. Uh, one little thing, Russ's uh, his release is looking a little bit higher. Um, I know that his release point of the football was a little lower from like years one and two. And so we're seeing a little bit higher release release point. Maybe that helps uh, with his deep balls that were a little bit off last year. I don't know. I'm not that kind of expert. But uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, going back to old ways will help Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, especially when uh, Brian Schottenheimer is your offensive coordinator. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, we've got so many questions still about this offense. I think to me, it's the most interesting thing. But it's also the scariest thing because, yeah, we could end up with something really vanilla. And 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 on the one hand, emphasizing Russell Wilson's deep balls, I mean, he's so good when he's on at delivering them. They're such an important part of the offense. And so we want to see those highlighted. At the same time, just taking low percentage shots down the field and then running the ball, like, kill me. Like, it's not, it's right. not 1996 anymore. Like... And I fear that we're going to end up with a 1996 esque offense. So right. Brian Schottenheimer said that the Seahawks want to be able to run the ball when the defense knows they're running the ball. Um, mm-hmm. The Seahawks were not even good at running the ball when the defense didn't know they were going to run the ball. Um, so I, there's there's little case to be optimistic in that in that standpoint. Although he did say the same about passing the ball. So it's it's a very vanilla thing to say from Brian Schottenheimer. Surprisingly. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm looking for a reason to be excited about the offense. Obviously, you have Russell Wilson, you have Doug Baldwin, and you have Chris Carson coming back. You have Rashad Penny and Sean Hammer saying that the running backs are going to be more involved in the passing game, which seems like the whole NFL is going towards. So you know, hopefully they surprise us. But yeah, like you said, I don't think that uh, a 1996. Uh, offense is is going to cut it in in 2018 going into 2019 hopefully for the Seahawks yeah oh man but that that sucks um <laughs> uh still staying on the topic of Russell Wilson he is going to release a signature shoe with Nike I don't really know I think it's going to be called the dangerous ones he he tweeted about it earlier uh in the week he like with a with a shoe emoji you know just a, a Russell Wilson statement, <laughs> but um, it looks kind of it looks kind of futuristic. I'm, I'm looking at the 
the screenshots from at Kickstealz on Twitter. And it reminds me a little bit of the Nike Yeezys, but uh, I'm not I'm not that that kind of shoe guy. I just like to buy them. I don't really break them down. Um, <laughs> I, on the other hand, am the kind of shoe guy who doesn't like to buy them. I wear New Balance running shoes in public sometimes. So hey, buddy. Uh, everybody has you know their own style. I will say so. Okay, so yeah. So I've looked at these Russell Wilson shoes and. Hey, they they look a little 1996. They look both futuristic and the past. I think it's the visible air bubble looks very 1996 to me. Yeah. Uh, I'll also say that I went to a middle school that had a uniform, and you could only wear athletic shoes if they were all black or all white. And so these look like they'd have been the flyest shoe you could have worn at my private middle school um, because they are all black. And they also look like they're shots fired at Pete Carroll's Air Monarchs. And so do that's my question for you, Grant, is do you think that the Nike signature shoe for Russell Wilson is the beginning of the end of the Russell Wilson-Pete Carroll era? I'll say this. We've seen the end of the Pete Carroll-Richard Sherman era. We're going, we saw the end of you know, Cliff Averill and, and, and Cam Chancellor. And so... You know, it's only in, it only takes time. You know, could this shoe you know set the course for it? Absolutely. I, I think you put it the right way that it's it's the past's idea of a futuristic shoe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the complete opposite of of the air air monarch air monarchs. You know, white. You know, it's some blue in it, but like it's just the most vanilla shoe. You know, it gets the job done. It's a lunch pail kind of shoe sneaky athletic um and then russell wilson's shoe comes along you know it's boasting like these futuristic designs you know angles and the air bubble and you know all black sleek stealth and it's like kind of flashy but it doesn't want to come off as flashy like i I think that it could definitely cause a rift between the two uh the two seahawks yeah so you know i oh guys Guys, this is this is worrying. This to me is as worrying as anything else. This, in the is, Seahawks this is offseason. as worrying, if not more worrying, than the Earl Thomas holdout. Yeah, yeah. You can't have your coach and your star with oppositional shoes. You Their shoes be, have to be insane. You have to operate on the same plane, and you got to stand yeah. on that same plane with the same pair of shoes. Same shoes. Say, although it would be good, I think that this could be settled if one day they came to training camp wearing each other's shoes. You know <laughs> what I mean? I think we could bury this issue once and for all. So I demand that Pete Carroll roll into training camp wearing Russell Wilson's shoes. And that Russell, well, we've seen Russell Wilson wear the Air Monarchs when he dressed up as Pete Carroll for Halloween. So we know he's got a pair in the closet somewhere. Right. So all we need Nike. Send a pair of shoes, send a pair of Russell Wilson shoes to Pete Carroll, make him wear them to training camp one time, bury the hatchet, save the Seahawks. There you go. That's a simple solution. I think it's just like when teammates wear their their friends' jerseys. Like, you do, like, jersey swaps at the end of the game, or, like, in practice, you're wearing your teammates' jersey. It's a perfect solution. I think that, you know, it's dumb that we haven't seen it already. Um, especially when, you know, there's such prominent figures. Anyways, now that we're done talking about such an important topic, um, we're going to talk a little bit more after the break about a certain Seahawk that was 
retired and, and overlooked uh, for a particular team. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. We are back with the final portion of today's episode of the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Uh, you're still with Grant and Spike. We're going to talk about Cliff Averill for a little bit. Uh, Spike, can you uh, lead us into the subject and, and, and give us a little more about why you want to talk about him? Yeah, so Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, dropped his 2018 NFL All-Retirement team. Guys like Carson Palmer are on it, Cam Chancellor's on it, Joe Thomas is on it. When you look down at defensive end, you've got a next Seahawk in there and Dwight Freeney. And then the other one is, for some reason, Daquan Powers, who finished his career with 69 tackles and seven sacks. Nice. And Yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, and this is just for me, Cliff Averill had a better career than Daquan Bowers and also retired this year. You could go with the sack numbers where Cliff Averill had more than seven sacks like last year or the year before last, just in that one season. You can go with the Super Bowl where he won and was, you know, incredibly influential. You can go with all this, like, like this is crazy. It's just an, to be fair to Fowler, this is just like an obvious, like, swing and a miss oversight. But it's also hilarious to me, like, man, we got to find somebody. And even in it, he references, like, oh, it was either him or Lowell Latulale. Lowell Latulale. So I guess that's Star's brother or cousin, some guy I've not heard of. And uh, if you do a find on the page, you're uh, not finding April at all. So for me, Cliff April was the second best defensive end to retire this year uh, in terms of career and deserves a little bit of respect. He was a pro bowler the la- the, his last full season. What are we doing here? Grant, what are we doing here? I think, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, Cliff Averill's had more strip sacks than Daquan Bauer has had sacks in his. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I just think yeah. It's a. It's a kind of ridiculous oversight. Uh, it's not. It's not even something we can be mad about. It's just yeah. funny. We're laughing about this. Cliff, not... <laughs> Cliff Averill has thirty career forced fumbles. Nice. 30 career for force fumbles, that's, 74 that's more, career sacks. For those, like, what are we talking for about? For those that don't like to do math, that's more than seven sacks. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, Averill only has seven fumble recoveries. So he's stripping the ball, but he ain't picking it up. That ain't his job. You know, maybe he would have maybe he would have made the list if he had more fumble recoveries. We don't yeah. know we don't know the criteria in, in picking this retirement team. All we know is that they have to be retired this year. No, oh, it's a great point. I, I think maybe that's an oversight by us. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I think that leads us into you know sort of a, a different topic that you wanted to talk about. I just about. wait. Hold on, hold on. One more thing, just just to be clear, in terms of career sacks, Cliff Averill is two behind J.J. Watt, tied with Javon Kurz, and ahead of Calais Campbell, Peter Bulware, Clay Matthews. In terms of career sacks, Justin Tuck, you know, like big names. These are huge names. These are Hall of Famers that he is alongside in this category. What are we doing? Like, Cliff Averill's been underrated his entire career. Even when he's making a Pro Bowl, he's still underrated. And I guess this is just another sign. But really, it's just a sign that uh, 
of he f- was forgotten on one dumb list. So. I have something to talk about. Ooh. Um, Cliff Averill said on KJR that Jermaine Effetti's atti- attitude is holding him back, Ooh. and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna deem Justin Britt the saltiest Seahawk of all time. Um, he he. Just Why? Said, just because he 100% has me blocked on Twitter, so I have no idea um, what um, he's up. He did not like Cliff's comment. I'll 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 get the the actual quote pulled up, but he he commented on Instagram that you know he sh- he like he shouldn't have said that, and um like it's just like ridiculous. And Cliff's like, oh, it's just my opinion, like. And then, and then, uh, Justin Britt, like, went and posted a picture of him and Jermaine Effetti together, and, like, it, it was, like, the silliest thing, and I, and somebody said, you know, if you want to get blocked by Justin Britt, talk to him on Twitter, don't try to get yeah. to the pass, to, to the quarterback, um, which I thought is a great, which is a great burn, um, I'm pulling up the Instagram post, okay, so, <laughs> Justin Britt comments, on uh, his own Instagram post, it's no secret. It's just none of your damn business. Mm. That's a heap of salt to me. What are we doing? All right, settle down, Justin. I mean, Justin. Look, Justin Bird is good. Justin Bird is fine. Justin Bird has been fine, but like Cliff Averill, love Cliff Averill. Okay, so- and he's not wrong. Like, I mean, like, and it's it is his place to say that. Like sports commenters are only useful for like the first few years after their career because they have insight into what's happening in the league. And so this specific case, yeah, he knows what the heck he's talking about. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, no. All right. So Justin Britt commented on the post that Cliff Airwell believes attitude is holding Jermaine Effetti back. Britt says, what a joke. And then Cliff said, just a friendly opinion, brother. Like he threw in the brother like obviously to like diffuse the tension but like when justin Britt's salty like i i feel like someone just gotta like talk crap to him on like twitter before a game just to get the best performance out of him so he actually blocks somebody yeah um but yeah i think i i thought that was really silly and since we we're talking about cliff Averill, i thought we should mention that but uh we have we have one more thing and you talked about the seahawks you know cliff Averill's performance in a super bowl and the fact that they won a Super Bowl. But uh, somebody's comments uh, really irked you, Spike. Can yeah, you uh, more, talk more, more about that? Yeah, more shots at the worldwide leader in sports. Uh, really specifically, there's been a lot of talk um, apropos of Richard Sherman's comments about the Seahawks sort of losing their identity, which is not something that I totally disagree with. I think that they're... Uh, move away from controversial players um, is not in line with the values that Pete Carroll espoused of letting guys do their thing. Um, and so I don't disagree with what Richard Sherman says, and I'm goddamn annoyed and terrified that he's in our division forever now. Um, but on the Worldwide Leader, there was a conversation, and I'm trying to pull up the name of the guy who said it, but it was some some jabroni was talking about how the Legion of Boom era was disappointing and the Seahawks underachieved. And I just want to say that that's lunacy. That You cannot look at a five-year period where a team makes the playoffs every year, where a team grows, 
and has exceptional performances all over the field and wins the Super Bowl, makes another Super Bowl, could have won as many as three Super Bowls, but did win one Super Bowl and say they underachieved. This Seahawks team achieved to the level that you would expect for them with a really good quarterback and an elite defense. That is the sort of team that wins one Super Bowl. The teams that win multiple Super Bowls are usually teams that have a genuine first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback at their peak or a team that gets really lucky. Like The amount of luck it takes to win back-to-back Super Bowls is unbelievable. And to say that the Seahawks underachieved when they won a Super Bowl, that's just garbage. It's just garbage and it's lazy and it's dumb. And this team was great and they achieved exactly like they, they achieved the 50th percentile of what a team with that level of quality would have achieved, if not a little higher than that. And so I just don't like a revisionist take on this Seahawks era that says that it was anything other than exceptional. You want a team that underachieved, you can look at the Mariners from the late 90s, early aughts, who didn't even make a World Series despite setting the record for regular season wins and having four Hall of Famers pass through that team. That is a team that underachieved in the postseason. They didn't manage to do what they should have done. This Seahawks team did it. They won the Super Bowl. What are we talking about? They won the Super Bowl. Golly. Anyway. Yeah, no. That's the goal. Every time you step onto the football field for a season, you want to win a Super Bowl. If that's the if that's the the scale in which we're we're ranking teams over like a, a certain period of time, so many so many other teams underachieve. I don't even know what the term that we would use for other teams besides underachieve. Because if that's the scale that we're comparing teams and and we're saying that they underachieve, I don't, that's just ridiculous. They they won the suit that that's an outcome that has never happened in the history of the Seahawks and they achieved yeah. that they they brought the team to unparalleled heights in their franchise history I don't I don't see how that's a, maybe you need an outsider's point of view but having watched the team for you know I, I mean as long as I can understand football and obviously there's people that have watched the Seahawks for far longer and have been through far worse with the franchise. I, I, I just from watching it in in my time being a football fan, they this is you know obviously a high point in the franchise's history. I I can't see you know any any other rating other than like exceptional, uh, sensational, fantastic. Just uh, their success was so big for the city of Seattle. I I don't th- I don't know how you could you could sit back and. And look at a team's uh, a team's five years and say, yeah, there's a lot more to be desired. Um, yeah, they just didn't get it done. Uh, they they did things that you know were previously thought you know unachievable with you know the franchise. I, I they weren't even supposed to make it to the Super Bowl the year after they won it. That NFC Championship game was you know was validating enough to you know disprove this argument i don't i don't know i i, I agree i agree <laughs> that's it's, the, it's yeah it's hilarious it's hilariously bad yeah all right on that note of agreement and the fact that we just had a thunderstorm in los angeles that just passed over my house uh to be clear it does not rain in july in los angeles normally global warming is real and uh hey you know whatever 
shots fired at people who don't believe in global warming. Yeah, those people uh, are really bad, and to use your words. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we should call it. Uh, training camp is soon. Yeah. I'm very excited to have some real news and not just making fun of jabronis who don't know anything about the Seahawks. And the preseason's soon. It's coming up. It's coming yeah. fast, too. So uh, it's a lot to look forward to. Um, you know, hey, if that guy thought the Seahawks underachieved, you know, in the last couple of years, he's Get ready. for a treat this year. Get ready. Oh, uh, man. So the- Oh, yeah. Next week is probably, well, I don't know. Maybe we should wait. I don't know. We're going to have to have our very depressing State of the Seahawks pod where we think about how bad things might be. I keep teasing we, it. We keep teasing it, and we keep also pushing it back. I think yeah. we, we're trying to delay the inevitable. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in and and bearing with us while we talk about these depressing uh, rankings and, and whether the Seahawks uh, underachieved or not. But we want to thank you guys for being loyal, for, for listening through the whole episode. Uh, there'll be more content to come soon. Like we said, training camp, preseason, before we know it, week one's gonna gonna be here. We're gonna be doing more shows a week. So be, so we're excited. You should get excited. And uh, yeah, there's a lot more to come. So for Locked on Seahawks, I'm Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Friedman, also signing off. <laughs>